Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. If you brought your Bibles today, you can open them up with me to the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 this morning. If you don't know where Genesis is, welcome to Christianity. Uh, We are excited that you've chosen uh, to join us uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, And what we're going to talk about today is marriage and family, uh, and this also works in the context of friendships. Uh, this message was, was born in my heart out of uh, prayer, honestly. At the tail end of 2020, uh, and really at the tail end of every year, I set aside time to ask God what he would like me to accomplish in the next year. Now, I, I believe wholeheartedly, like in us having strong prayer lives where we ask God to accomplish some things for us in the next year. Like, I think that that's very wise. But how many of you know that prayer is not just a monologue of us talking to God? It should be a dialogue with God also talking to us. And uh, out of this, God is the only voice big enough that can speak in silence. And one of the chief reasons why we don't hear God more is because we live in a world that is afraid of silence. We like as much noise and distraction as possible. So even when we're alone, we're not. We have a phone in front of us. We have music going on around us or television noise in the background. We resist silence, and it's actually one of the tactics of the enemy uh, because God speaks in silence. Be still and know that I am God. We don't like still. We're afraid of it, so we're always busy. We have something always in our hands, always before our eyes, always before our ears, And it's the trick of the enemy because God would often lead even Jesus into solitude. He'd walk into a garden alone. He'd walk up a mountain alone. He would have these moments where he would break away from the disciples to just get before God because God is the only voice big enough that speaks in silence. God is the still small voice. And so I believe in having times like that regularly, but one of the times that I like to have in my life is the end of the year, where I just set aside time to kind of carve away personal time. No phone. I I, I don't have the phone. I turn it off. Like, I don't put it on silent. I I don't put it on do not disturb. It's turned off. Uh, I'll disconnect from everything and everyone, and I'll go before God and just tell him, what do you want me to accomplish in 2020 or 2021? Like, at the, the start of this next year, what do you want my focus to be on? What do you want my attention to be on? And the thing that he spoke to my heart at the tail end of 2020 to be mindful of for 2021 was something that I did not expect to have him speak to me about, and it was about my marriage. Uh, and he dealt with my heart in that, that session Uh, to really begin to strive to take my marriage even deeper and further and to really focus on some things in that marriage. And I'll be honest, I was surprised by that because without being prideful or boastful but just speaking in truth, uh, if there's one area of my life that I've always been very pleased in, it has been my marriage. For over 15 years, me and my wife have been married. It's the easiest thing I've ever done. It, it really is like just something where our personalities just clicked, and they always have, and it's just been amazing the grace that has been there. 
and so I, I began to consult God as to, to what was this emphasis to be? What should be emphasized more? There weren't any immediate areas in my life that I knew to kind of fix or alter in that area. Like, how many of you know there's some things God speaks to you about, it's like, yeah, like you already kind of knew. It's like, yeah, you know, I need to brush up on that. Uh, but on this, it was kind of like, well, what specifically do you want me to minister to uh, her in, like, and differently? Like, what does that look like? Uh, and so uh, January rolled around, and I was looking at one of my direct reports, 15 Fives, which was an app that we have where, uh, you know, they're answering questions for me so I can see how they're doing. And one of the questions I ask is how you're growing, and one of my direct reports put in this teaching uh, by someone. And as soon as I read through this teaching that they sent, I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit began to unveil to me uh, what I needed to focus on. So the, the teaching goes like this, and if we can actually go to the screen, a couple of screens before this, and just do the triangle on the screen, that would be great. Uh, so here you see a triangle, and the teaching is this, and this is worth the price of admission. Just this, it by itself. It, it's worth coming to church today or watching online. But it, they said that happiness is like a triangle. And if you have the three points of the triangle in your life, you'll experience happiness. If one of the, the, the pieces of the triangle or ends of the triangle becomes dysfunctional or is not working the way it should, unhappiness is going to creep into your life. Now, this is an important distinction. I'm not talking about joy here. Joy comes from God. Happiness comes from this. So no matter what happens in your life, how many of you know, even in bad times, you can still count it all joy. That even in the middle of a prison, you can rejoice and exercise the spiritual force of joy. And that spiritual force of joy can often make you happy. This is not the triangle of joy. This is the triangle of happiness. And joy is something that you can uh, rejoice until you have it. Joy is something that you work up. Happiness is not something you work up. It's a feeling that you have. And so you can't fake happiness. Uh, if you don't have joy, you can rejoice. But happy is this internal feeling uh, where life is working the way it should be. And it's based off of three points. The, the highest point is the point of relationships. And if you're taking notes, this is a beautiful thing to write down. And if you're not taking notes, this is still a very beautiful thing to write down. Uh, so out of this, the, the top point of the triangle is relationships. And this is your relationship with God, your relationship with others, especially those who are, we'll say, divine connections. More on that in a minute. And your connection with yourself. And somebody says, what do you mean my connection with myself? Sometimes the greatest level of dissatisfaction in your life is something that is going on inwardly. Where you don't have a good relationship with you. You're disappointed with you. You're upset with you. You're discouraged with you. And because that relationship is not right, it is disrupting your happiness. So the, the highest peak of the happiness triangle is relationships. Over here in this corner, you have something called security. 
So relationships, then you have security. And what security means is life is protected. Um, Have any of you ever felt secure in your health? It's like, I have no worries, I have no issues, I feel good, I feel fine, my wife feels good and fine, uh, and my wife is fine. Come on, somebody. Like, right? Uh, so, (laughs) uh, So, but like your kids, like when your kids are healthy and there are no issues there medically, you have security in your health. It equals happiness. Like, there's a peace that comes with that. On the flip side of that, if something comes in and disrupts that, where all of a sudden your kids are wrestling with something in their health and it could be serious and you lose that security of health, that happiness is impacted. Or your wife begins to face something in her health and there's not that same security, happiness is impacted. Are you or not, you go to the doctor and they tell you something and it's not what you were expecting and you don't feel as secure as you once did, uh, it will affect happiness or financial security. Uh, how many of you know when uh, you're good and the, the money's in the bank and all those types of things and you're secure financially, it helps with happiness. Like, it helps. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, have you ever felt like you were about to get laid off? Uh, or have you ever felt like you don't have, or you didn't feel like you knew you did not have enough money in the checking account to cover the bills that are now, you know, on the kitchen counter, uh, those types of things that when you are not secure financially, that erodes happiness and stress begins to come in your life. And then the other uh, part of the triangle is what's called meaning and purpose, meaning and purpose, that my life means something. That, that my life is filled with drive. Like I have a reason to wake up in the morning. I have something I... Need is a powerful human emotion. It's powerful. And that's one of the, 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 the cons that works against even a church like this that's bigger in size is some people walk in and think, am I needed here? And uh, a lot of times that type of thing, because we want purpose, we want to be needed. And let me just answer that question. Yes, you are very needed here. Uh, but uh, out of these things, uh, if I lose meaning, and I've seen this happen in people's life, they have a strong relationship with God, others and themselves, and they have financial security, but they reached an age where it's like, what is this all about? And what am I pouring my life into? And it's like, I've been, I'm like, why aren't you happy? Like, like, you should be happy. You have security. You have freedom. You have health. Like, be happy. But it's, they don't have meaning. They need purpose. And so this is important to know that anytime your happiness is disrupted, it's one of these areas. And you need to see, well, what is it? Is there dysfunction in family? Is there dysfunction with, like, my husband or wife, and that's eroding my happiness? Or is it a lack of security financially or something going on in my health? Or is there, like, a a purpose in my life that, like, I need to, uh, you know, pay attention to or focus on? And so I'm studying this, and it starts, you know, computing in my mind because I know in pastoring people, a lot of people who are happy, and then I know a lot of people who are unhappy. Uh, And out of that, it's like it's always one of those three areas. I'm like, the triangle is so true, like the triangle of happiness. It is truthful. Uh, And so I began evaluating that, and immediately the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. Now, this is, this is a huge type of teaching just in and of itself, is the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you need another comforter. 
another comforter I will give unto you. And he said, here's why. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. And, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to show you things to come. Now, this is interesting. He will show you things to come. Why? So that you can be proactive versus reactive. The flesh is always reactive. The spirit is always proactive. Uh, So the flesh will have a need in it, uh, and something doesn't happen, and it gets mad, it gets angry, and it reacts. And it's like, we got to clean up this mess. The Holy Spirit will make you proactive, and he will show you, hey, in seven years, you're going to have a famine. And when that famine hits, if you react to that, there could be all kinds of chaos. But I'm showing you this in advance so that these next seven years of plenty, you can take at plenty, build reserves so that when the famine comes, you have enough to live off of. You're not panicked or freaked out or any of those types of things. I'm going to show you things to come so that you can be proactive versus reactive. And so all of us need to to be spirit-led individuals and spirit-led husbands and spirit-led wives and spirit-led churches. And and somebody says, well, how do you get spirit-led? Well, it's very easy. Whatever you sow to. If you sow to the spirit, you reap of the spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. If you want to be spirit-led, you've got to be led by the spirit. And somebody says, well, well, what does that mean? It's like if I want to reap the seed of God talking to, or reap the harvest of God talking to me and making me proactive, I have to sow the seed of me talking to God. And if I will sow the seed of me talking to God, I'll reap the harvest of God talking to me. Like even the song that we're singing, I love the song of like, God, we need to move. But I think what God would say to us is you need to move. <laughs> like if you, if you want to see me move, like you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. You sow the harvest of like sowing to me, you'll reap the harvest of, of me talking to you. And so like we need these moments we're, we're having these times. And so I've been talking to God about my marriage, and all of a sudden God starts making me, with the help of the Holy Spirit, proactive. And the Lord began to show me something based off of this triangle. And what he showed me is, is that in my, my wife's life, in the, the coming season, now this is a, probably four or five years away, but in the coming season, two of the pieces of the triangle will be challenged. And the, the, the two pieces of the triangle that will be challenged is the relationship challenge and then the meaning and purpose side of things. My wife, growing up, uh, has always wanted to be a mom ever since she was a little girl. Is in her heart, she wanted to be a, a mother. And that's who impressed her. And that's one of the things you know what you're called to is what impresses you. The Holy Spirit will make an impression, and it'll mark you. The devil will take that and turn it into envy and jealousy, but oftentimes God will lead you by his Spirit through impression. You get around something, and it means something to you. And so my wife was always impressed by mom's. Like, that's what she saw, that's what she wanted to be, that's what she wanted to have. And honestly, she is one of the the best, I I don't see how you could do it any better. 
I, I don't want to say the best because that would be prideful, but she is one of the best moms that I could ever possibly imagine, uh, like the supply she is to our kids. The issue is, though, our kids are growing up. I've got two teenagers now, which is that coming out of my mouth. It's like, what in the world has happened? But I got two teenagers now. And then this Christmas, I'm looking at my youngest son, who's eight, and I realize he's not a little boy anymore. And, and this, is, this is something we can be very thankful for as parents, uh, uh, but as they age, children get more and more independent. They don't need you like they used to. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? And, and like for me as a father, I'm like, praise the Lord. We don't have to wipe their behinds. We don't have to put the hot pocket in the microwave. They can do it themselves. And then when the cheese leaks out, they got to clean it up. Like this is a blessed thing. Independence, man. Uh, so this impacts me differently. Uh, then it impacts my, my wife because my wife loves all those things. Like she genuinely finds great happiness from those relationships. And she also finds great meaning from being that in their life. And so as being the best that I can be, a spirit-led husband, a spirit-led father, something that was not even on my radar the Holy Spirit began showing me things to come and showed me that if this is not dealt with uh, by me helping her. How many of you know God called a spouse to be a helpmate, not a changer, a helpmate? And so one of the questions you should often ask yourself is, is this helping Because if it's not, stop. (laughs) Like you're called by God uh, to be a helpmate. And so out of this, like the Holy Spirit began to show me uh, that I needed to up my game uh, as a husband and begin to fill in some of those things myself. Um, and out, out of this, and, and keep in mind, the whole time I'm telling you this story, I'm not just telling you a story, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's going to teach you something. Uh, that, that out of this, um, the Lord began to show me these types of things, of like help provide meaning, and then come back in in these relationships and be more relational. Uh, uh, stop working as much from home and be home. And don't just be home, be home with your wife. Connect with her. Um, because it's not for the, uh, the present need. There's something on the horizon of time that if you will store up now this, it will mean this uh, does not happen. Because uh, the Lord knows these things. And so I began to look at Scripture for my own life and to begin to see uh, why this matters so much. Why, why this matters so much to her, why this matters so much to me, and I found some truths. Here's my first truth. Next screen. Uh, they'll put it up on the screen for everyone who's taking notes. Now. Yes! <laughs> Man's greatest heart hunger is to be loved in a family setting. Man's greatest heart hunger is to be loved in a family setting. Now, why is this true? of whom the whole family, Paul wrote about God, of whom the whole family 
in heaven and earth is named, talking about the name of God. I love that scripture. Uh, That some of you are in families, and in that families, you have a name on you. Sims is my family name, of whom the whole family is named after. Uh, So my family is named after me. They are carriers of my name. Now, out of that, the reason why we have that is that's not just something we do culturally. That is something that God uh, has designed in the earth because the heart nature of God is to be a father with a family. Now, this is, this is critically important for you to understand. Like, when I say you to understand, I literally mean you to understand. Like, for everyone, this is important for you to understand about you. The heart hunger for God was not more stuff. It wasn't a bigger empire. It wasn't a, a bigger gold watch. He walks on streets of gold. He's got a gate made out of one pearl. He had everything. But his heart hunger was what? Family. I want a family. His first commandment to man was not don't sin. Right? His first commandment to man was here's a tree over here. Don't eat of it. Not his first commandment. You know what his first commandment was? Be fruitful and multiply. Why? I want a family. Like, I I want kids. I want laughter. I want friendship. I want family. This was his heart hunger. And somebody says, well, why does that matter for me? Because whose image and whose likeness were you made in? You were made in the image and likeness of God. So there's a heart hunger in you and me that cannot be filled with success, that cannot be filled with a big ministry, that cannot be filled with a new car, that cannot be filled with a higher paying job. And we think all of these other things will fill us and we don't learn from everyone else who has those things but are still unfulfilled because you are made in the image and likeness of God and his heart hunger is family And that's what's in your heart too. So out of this, and this is important, when I say family uh, in a a family setting, uh, I'm not just talking about blood family. And this is interesting how scripture kind of breaks this out. I'm not just talking about blood. There is blood family. uh, And all of us know that. Like there's blood, you're my blood. Like there's blood family. Uh, where our sons and our daughters uh, have our DNA, and they have similar DNA. And so there's brother and sister, and there's blood family. But remember what, what God spoke over marriage is that man will leave his father and mother and will cleave unto his wife. Now, this is a prophecy. Why is this a prophecy? Because Adam and Eve did not have a father or mother. So God is speaking in advance, and he is saying that when family is created, I'm not just doing something based off of blood. I'm doing something also based off of spirit. And when a husband and wife say those vows, even though they're not blood family, they become spirit family, and there is a divine supply that comes from that spirit family that sometimes is equal, and in some people's lives, even greater than what comes from blood family. And somebody says, well, what does that mean? It means God wants you to have both. God's best is to have blood family with the spirit of God that's on it. Where we're not just sharing the same DNA, but we share the same name of Jesus. We share the same worship of Jesus. We have a similar set of values and love, forgiveness and honor. And we're walking together in unity. But your heart hunger is blood and spirit family walking together. 
that is the greatest need of your heart, and this is my point, it must be prioritized as such. And and so many people don't prioritize it because they think other things in their life will fill that heart hunger, but I'm telling you it will not because here's my next point. Nothing in this world feels as good as being loved in a stable environment. Nothing. When you are in a stable environment where there is love, when you're in a stable environment where you feel loved, nothing feels as good. You take a kid, you give them a toy on Christmas, and right after that toy, there's an argument that just overtakes the house. He still doesn't enjoy the toy because nothing feels as good as being loved in a stable environment. I've been all over the world. I mean, I've been literally all over the world. I've seen extreme wealth. I've seen extreme poverty. I've been in Syrian refugee camps where literally they lived in tin sheds uh, and were, were kept like in, in a brink. I mean, it's, it's unimaginable how our world can allow these things to still happen. Like, unimaginable. And I, I walk in these Syrian refugee camps with my wife, and we come in and we see these families. And you know what amazes me? They have joy and happiness. Like, in, in tin sheds, forced out of their own home because someone else took their stuff and is holding it hostage. Like, all of these kinds of things. Still joy and happiness. Tin sheds. Oftentimes in those Syrian refugee camps, more joy than you what you would find in neighborhoods surrounding this location and the, and the location of Highland Con, all around us. Why? Because this joy, the greatest human need that we have, is not the accumulations of stuff, no matter what our upward mobility society tries to teach us. The, the greatest joy and heart hunger that we have is to be loved in a secure setting. Nothing blesses us more. And nothing feels as bad as being unloved and rejected. You take a son and have him be rejected by a father, nothing feels as bad. You you, you come into a place where you are rejecting and unloving yourself based off of bad actions and bad behavior, nothing feels as bad. And it doesn't matter where you're sitting. You can be sitting in a brand new Ferrari or you can be sitting in a torn up Ford Focus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're sitting. If you are feeling rejected or unloved by yourself, it doesn't matter what you have. Your heart hunger is to be loved. Your heart hunger is to be in family. And somebody says, well, well what are we going to do about that? Like, how do we go about fighting for this? Well, I, I think the answer is found in Scripture. And this is what we all have to understand. In Genesis chapter 2, and I know you've been sitting on this for a minute, uh, but let's pull up in verse uh, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two will be one flesh. Now, notice the commandment there, to leave and to cleave. Uh, this word leave in the, the Hebrew means azad, and what azad means is to loosen or relinquish. Uh, so it doesn't mean to like drop it like it's hot. Like <laughs> it's like just drop and done. Uh, so it's like I've left that and now I've moved on. It doesn't mean that. It can kind of get that impression like I'm leaving and now I'm cleaving, but it doesn't mean to like drop. 
it means that your grip on it is not as strong as it used to be. And so you're lessening your grip on that so that you can lay hold on this thing now. This word cleave, it's an active pursuit. It is where I am working to pursue what is valuable. I am working to pursue what is the highest priority in my life. Now here's where this gets dangerous, and in the context of marriage, let me explain it. God has called you as a husband and a wife to cleave to each other. It's this active pursuit where I'm lessening and relinquishing my hold on other things so that I can actively pursue my wife and my wife can actively pursue me. But here's what happens. We actively pursue all of these other things, kids, family, job, success. We actively pursue those things and don't realize that from our dating stage all the way up through our marriage and all the way up uh, through having children and careers, that our hold on our marriage is getting looser and looser because we're reaching after all of these other things. And, And what God is saying is this is against the priority that I have assigned for marriage is that the the priority that I have assigned for marriage is that I am loosening these other things so that I can actively pursue my spouse. The greatest threat to my marriage, and, and this is so true, the greatest threat to my marriage is not bad things. Uh, I am, am thankful that I try to be as great of a man as integrity as possible, and I trust that every husband and wife in here is trying to do the same thing. So I don't have like any bad things on the horizon of time that I see or like a threat to my marriage. Now here's a word to the wise. If you look on the horizon of time and see those bad things, stop the bad things. Like that, that's a threat to your marriage. But the greatest threat to my marriage is not bad things. The greatest threat to my marriage is good things out of priority. That the the, the strongest sin in most men's marriages is passivity. They become passive. And the commandment is the complete opposite of passivity. The, The commandment is cleave. To actively and progressively come after. To to come and to hold on strongly to, even if it means relinquishing my grasp on other things. And, And what I really sense is, is it not true with the Lord God that when his hold on humanity, that he wants nothing more to cleave to, Did he not, when he saw that there is this gap here, it's not where I want it to be, did he not forsake, hear me now, forsake the comforts of heaven, humble himself, take on the form of a servant, come to this earth, wash our feet, get on a cross, To say, see how much I love you. To fight to close the gap, to cleave to what he really wanted, even if it meant leaving what everyone else is trying to get. They are trying to take earth and make it like heaven and get everything in earth as fine-tuned as we can make it 
thinking that that will make our whole, our, 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 the hole in our heart happy. And the one who designed our heart is leaving heaven to come after his family because he sees this is what actually matters more and comes and says, I've made you in my image and likeness. So here's how this plays out with marriage therapists. Is marriage therapists report that couples are happiest when they're dating. You know why? And, and with each passing year, after marriage, kids, career, all these things, with each passing year, their level of satisfaction in marriage actually diminishes. Now, can anyone figure out why? Because in dating, you're cleaving too much. Like the danger is don't cleave that much. Like, like pull back from the cleaving. Uh, like that's, that's the danger of the dating stage. Because in the dating stage, it's like, I don't care about cell phone minutes. I don't care about my cell phone bill. I just want to talk to the one that I love. Like you hang up. No, you hang Like it's a cleaving. And it's amazing. After you get married, it's like, why are you using so much data? Like, don't you know this is a family plan now? Like, it's like, what? You didn't care. Like, before you're paying $800 for the cell phone bill just so you could talk to me. And now I'm getting in trouble for how many minutes I'm using. (laughs) So in dating, it's this cleaving process where it's like dates and romance and all these things. And then all of a sudden, we have these good things come up, careers. It's a good thing. How many of you know, good to have a job? Amen. It's good to have a job. It's good to, kids are amazing. It's good to have kids. But we have all these things that, these, that come up in the lives of these couples, and now we're, we're cleaving hobbies, and we're, we're holding closely on to how much we golf, and closely on, well, the football game's on, and we know this is when we watch football, and we cleave to these things, and we cleave to the remote, and we, we well, we got to take the kids here, and we got to keep the kids here, and we got to take them there, and you know, work, it, it, I can't help it, it's work, like I got to work, and we come, and we, we take all these things, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 like, There was a point in my relationship with my family where I saw there was a gap between me and my kids. Where I saw that there was a gap between me and my bride. And you talk about having stuff to manage. Woo! You have the whole world to manage. The whole universe to manage. And Jesus is like, I know, I know, I know. But I'm going to leave all that. Why? Because there's a gap between me and my bride. And there's a gap between me and my kids. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to take on the form of a servant, and I'm going to wash their feet until they see how much I love them. And the goodness of God is going to lead my family to repentance. And they're going to come to me out of love. And they're going to come to me not out of command. But they're going to come to me because they want me. And, and, I, and I just, I, I felt this honestly all throughout this series, and I got nowhere in my notes. I had three more points. Uh, but that's okay. I felt like all, literally all throughout this series that so many people who have tuned in for this, you have these big old gaps in blood and spirit family. And 
and it bothers you, and you don't want to say anything about it, and of course men process these things differently than ladies sometimes, and ladies differently than men, but we sense this tension, and we don't do anything about it. And this distance builds resentment in our heart, and it gets further and further and further and further and further and further and further until all of a sudden I have children, but I don't have any relationship with them. I have a husband, but we're roommates. I have friends, but there is no connection. I I have these once vibrant relationships, but now my only relationship I have with them is getting jealous over who I see them with on social media, and I'm not there. And we have these gaps, and they hurt our hearts and they wound us because you're wired in the image and likeness of God, so your heart craves blood and spirit family. And God is is coming to us and he's gently asking us the same way that I fought for you, will you fight for them? The same way that I fought for you, will you fight for your children? The same way that I fought for you, will you fight for your husband? The same way that I fought for you, will you fight for your wife? The same way that I fought for you, will you fight for your friends? Because these things are not just good relationships. They were born of the spirit and out of the spirit. They are yielding you a spiritual supply and you need them to run your race and you need them to finish your course and you need them to fill something in your heart that's been missing and so don't just sit there feeling rejected get up take on the form of a servant and if you got to wash some feet wash some feet and if you got to show a sacrifice of love show a sacrifice of love but you can get the sun and the moon and all the stars and make it all the way to heaven but if you don't have a great relationship with your family with blood and spirit family as long as you are on this earth there will be something in you that never really enjoys it, something in you that's not quite right. And it can't be filled with drugs or alcohol or football. And it can't be filled with a new house or a new car or a new paycheck. It can't be filled with any of that. It can only be filled with the Father and his family. Let me pray for you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan at our Highland Colony campus to come up close out that service in prayer. Here online at our Lakeland campus, if you're here today and something is off and you know it between the father and family, maybe it's one or the other, but something is just off, you can sense it, you want to make it right, you want to close that gap, and it's like coming to God and saying, God, like... I need to move. I I need to repent. Like I'm not going to live with these gaps with you or these gaps with these people that I love. God, I'm coming to you and saying, I need to make a change. I'm coming to you and say, I need to cleave to you. I'm coming to you, Father, and say, I need to, I need to return to my wife. And Malachi prophesies that God would turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. If you're here today and say, Pastor Joel, I want these gaps closed. I want grace and mercy to close these gaps. I, I want to fight for my relationship with God. I want to fight for my relationship with my, my wife. I want to fight for my relationship with my husband. I want to fight for my relationship with my friends and my family. And today, I'm making a decision to return to the things I know I need to return to. That's you today. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one's looking around. Not going to make anyone look at you, but if that's you, would you do something for me right now? Would you lift up your hand, all over, hands going up all over the room? 
Somebody says, why do we lift our hands? It's just a sign of surrender and saying, God, I need help. I need grace for this time of need. I need grace for me. Maybe today it's just lifting a hand for grace for your family. Maybe somewhere out there in the world, family is fighting or family is dysfunctional and there's all kinds of gaps and saying, God, I need a touch right now for my family. You can lift your hand too. But all over this room, let's just make a decision that today that Satan's not going to have our families. He's not going to divide us like he divided Adam and Eve. He's not going to divide us like he divided Cain and Abel. He's not going to divide us like he divided Cain and Jacob, uh, and Cain and, and, and Abel and, and uh, Esau and Jacob. He's not going to divide our families any longer. We're going to allow the Spirit of God to unite what Satan sought to divide. Amen. Everyone in this room, just pray this prayer with me. You can just pray it out with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that today what is born of the Spirit is sustained by the Spirit. And I know, Father, in my life, you have called me to have a divine connection with you and with others. And today, Father, I say all the past in those divine connections is under the blood. And though their sins and our sins were red like scarlet, your blood has made us whiter than snow. Today, it's a fresh start for me my family, and my relationships. And I say, Father, the way you fought for me is the way I'm going to fight for you. And the way you fought for me is the way I'm going to fight for my family. Lord, bless our families. Lord, keep our families. Shine your face bright on our families. And we thank you, Father, Our best days as a family are beginning right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you believe that, let's celebrate a little bit today. Oh, amen. Our best days, not behind us, they're in front of us. Now, if you need prayer for anything today, you can text the word request to 313131. And today you can come down to the altar. We've got our prayer team workers back uh, and they'll pray for you in a social distance way and all those kinds of things. But we have prayer uh, room workers who are going to be standing at the altar. If you need prayer for uh, yourself or maybe it's a family member or your husband or you just kind of want to stay in the presence of God just for a minute more, our prayer team workers are going to pray with you and for you for whatever you may need online or in person. If this is your first First time here at Word of Life. We're so thankful to have you. I've been amazed at how many first time guests we've had, even in the middle of COVID. We want to honor you, and the way we do that here at Word of Life is we want to give you a t shirt. So make sure when you exit, you turn around and you'll see the little cut ins there, and people will be standing there. Tell them you're a guest here. This is your first time, and they will give you a free gift. We love you so much, Word of Life. Have the best week of your life. We'll see you next week right here. You are dismissed.